Life in Colour is a brand new show that will discuss current affairs from a different perspective that you probably don't hear about often enough. Our show will be amplifying the voices of minorities around the world in a global conversation about the most important issues that face us today. We'll be chatting about ideas of racism, sexism, imperialism, nationalism, white privilege, all in the context of current affairs in Australia and beyond. What we're talking about today is about beauty standards, particular white beauty standards, and how over, I guess, centuries, for a long period of time now, and up till today, we're being fed a particular image of what beauty is. And we want to discuss throughout the show today how it affects, how it has affected history, perceptions of, you know, women of backgrounds other than white, um, Anglo Caucasian and how it affects us now personally in our everyday lives and we want to explore the ideas that come behind it. If somebody asked you Anissa what is beauty how how might you answer them? Oh wow it's it's really hard because as they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder mm. so yeah I don't even know how to answer that question a lot of it is superficial but I have a I have a feeling that a lot of people um, would say that beauty is what you see on TV or in the magazines or on the catwalk because Absolutely. they those industries are trying to sell to you an idea of what beauty is. So I think a lot of people would just say, oh, beauty is, um, I don't know, Gigi Hadid or some Gigi Hadid. Some, some top model. I don't, I don't even know. I don't really follow all that. But yeah, yeah. I think that's what people would say what beauty Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I think you'd be right in saying that beauty is what the images of beauty that we yeah. have collected and that we've been yeah. recited over the years. What yeah. about you, Nicole? Well, for me, beauty is... I just want to say beauty is beyond what the eyes could see. Mm-hmm. But I would be really kidding myself if that's what's the only thing about beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because I think that be- the word beauty has been so defiled in so many ways that... Um, what does it really mean? Like, when we say beauty, we yeah. just see what's pleasing to the eye. Yeah. And when we see something natural or ordinary, mm. we refer to it as, you know, nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yourself, Leanne? Um, yeah, I agree with those um, statements. You know, beauty can be more than what you see and can be definitely subjective. But at the same time, People are definitely influenced by all the media and all these projections and they've kind of been, you know, socialised to think that, you know, a certain image is what beauty is. Like, models are paid, you know, millions of dollars to look a certain way and we get Mm. taught that that is what being beautiful is. Yeah. Wow. So I'll just give you a brief synopsis on my understanding of Mm. what whiteness and the idea of white beauty and that being the epitome of beauty has come about and what it is. So as you know, there is in our in our world a history of colonialism yeah. and for numerous years there has been a continued image that whiteness, like white beauty, is what beauty looks like. Mm. That is very fair skin, very structured facial features, very defined, say, jawline if you're a male, or very yeah, slim, a sharp, slim, nose. slim, sharp nose, or lithe chin if you're a female, tall, tall uh-huh. slim, structured body as well. These are the images that over time have been fed to us that this mm-hmm. is what the epitome of beauty is, and this yes. is what it is that 
all men and women we should not forget that this is not only women who are affect- mm. affected by this but Very also men, men that are are to aspire to so that's what we want to unpack today and discuss a little bit about how it is that this has continued to persist throughout history i mean even though you know we've gone past the time where the only hollywood stars are white women mm-hmm. we have other beautiful or those who would say are beautiful Hollywood yeah. stars, but are they really what we traditionally see as beauty? Yeah. Or are they a separate category of beauty? Are they exotic? Exotic. Absolutely. Yeah. Or are or they still identified as a different kind of yeah. beauty something or different. like an exception? Not Absolutely. just beautiful, but yeah. something different. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. When I hear the word um, exotic, I just mm. have to say that it always reminds me of the word um, street food. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, we're not food, we're people. So what is, what is that idea of something that is exotic as, a, as opposed to something that is traditionally beautiful? To me, it means that it's different because yeah. it doesn't fit that traditionally light and white and bright beauty mold, but it is still appealing and aesthetic to look at. Have you ever thought about yeah I think um, when people say that you're beautiful because you're exotic or different or unique because you might say have black skin or you yeah. might have curves mm-hmm. whereas um, a lot of the beauty standards that we see are Eurocentric and um, concentrate on you know skinny white girls mm. so let's say you're curvy uh, maybe dark skin, maybe your features don't look European, they will still call you beautiful, but in a different way. So in they'll say something way. like, oh, you know, you're really, you've got this really exotic look going on, yeah. or you, <laughs> you look so different, but you're so beautiful. Um, and I don't think you should take that really as a compliment yeah. because yeah. what they're basically doing is they're still othering you. Yeah. They're yeah. still making you feel different. Yep. Um, and it just goes... Um, back to Edward Said's Orientalism um, and a lot of what it says about that um, that othering is that, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to find what's different about them um, and you kind of just... It, it feels like white people are giving you a concession kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you're pretty Second for a black best. girl or yeah. you're pretty for a white, uh, for yeah. an Asian girl. <laughs> Absolutely. So <laughs> That's it's this idea that for such a long time we're not complimenting mm. others' beauty if they are not white standards of beauty yeah we're complementing their otherness yes. in a way yes yeah. you can't simply just be beautiful yeah there's to be exotic others. or something yeah. else yeah true. really that's true and one of the th- impacts that this has had it's that it's not just let's not forget the beauty industry and the beauty standards that we're shown doesn't it affects everyone every mm. woman is trying to or every young woman every young girl is trying to aspire to a particular image of what is beautiful often that is an image of someone who is blemish free Mm. um tall and slim and athletic and Mm. big eyes or whatever it is that we're being presented to us but you see that even in countries or even around the world in places where it isn't a predominantly white Anglo-Saxon mm. population, Caucasian population, the standard of beauty is pretty much the same or yeah. is what they what people are aspiring to be and what is thought as beautiful is almost exactly the same. How does that make you how do you how do you come to understand that? Um well the way I see it 
you know, you were talking about colonialism mm. and the effects of that. And I think colonialism is not just the overtaking mm. of someone's land or someone's rights or mm. overtaking a government or power structure. It's also a cultural kind of imperialism where it filters down on mm -hmm. um, how we see society and how we view um, progress in society. So that could just that um, that also includes, you know, the way we see things as beautiful, how, how yep. we define beauty. And so the West or Eurocentric ideals have defined what beauty is. And as we, as we have said, you know, a white, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, slim nose, you know, we, we were constantly just being fed this, this image. Yeah, and that's that really idea. important to realize that it's not just in Western societies. Obviously, colonialism has impacted, like, you know, the whole world. You know, there's, yeah, I think yeah. there's only, like, two small yeah. countries that have not been invaded, invaded by, like, a white power. Yeah. So, obviously, those, those, um, those ideas have obviously infiltrated into societies that are not white. And that's really sad to see. Um, for example, if you look into India and, and Sri Lanka, um, you'll see a lot of um, a huge industry for whitening creams or skin bleaching. You'll see the same thing in Africa, in, in, in Southeast Asia. Um, and it's just a per, like a perpetuating that cycle of whiteness. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And can I also say that um, being Asian mm. or being a woman of color yeah. and uh, the perception of the white Western beauty standards, when they look at us, it, uh, it sparks intrigue in them because we're different. Yes. But this intrigue causes more idiotic stereotyping, yeah. which is really sad. Mm. And maybe it's because of our culture, how we are raised. And let's admit, most of the Asian countries are very poor countries. So they, had this, yeah, yeah. they have this sort of idea that the, these people are poor, mm. that they have this idea that we don't have that some sense of dignity and they feel that we're very dispensable and we're like and that we need to be like a western power yeah, so true. for us to progress for us to be a successful and progressive society we yeah. need to we need to be become rich we need to become more western mm. in our ideas and we need to also become more white like physically white <laughs> yeah physically white so, so I guess what we've discussed to sum it up in a nutshell what you guys are saying is that whiteness has been the standard of beauty in our society since the 1800s, since colonialism, and this is not just, like you said, colonialism of lands, it's colonialism of people, the way they think, the cultures the as well, yeah. Yeah. the society, the societal norms, and these mm. societal norms have then lingered up until today to a standard where other cultures do not value their own or do yeah. not have their own... Yeah. standards or ideals of what actual what beauty is without having had that white representation of what mm. the pinnacle of beauty is mm. so we wanted to talk about um, the fashion industry the makeup industry um, and how they work on the basis of whiteness uh, so like like we were saying before um, colonialism is not just um, about um, a, a specific kind of rule. It's also a cultural kind of colonialism that infiltrates um, culture and society. So if you look at 
um, the fashion and makeup industry, you see whiteness everywhere. So think about, just imagine yourself going to a news agency and you see the rack of magazines, Leanne, right? What would you see there? What kind of images, what kind of faces would you see? Um, Tan, blonde, sun-kissed, thin women. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And that's Maybe occasional. Yeah. Um, And that's that's the standard image that you'll see, um, you know, on the catwalk, on on the ads that you see when you pass a bus stop, on on billboards. And um, you also have to consider the fact that we also live in a very capitalist society around the world. So I think for me personally, I find that capitalism and whiteness work (laughs) hand in hand because what happens is these industries realize that there is a insatiable thirst to become white or there's this... um, societal expectations of what beauty is and we need to feed that. So these industries have found a way to exploit that. So basically um, the way that things are um, advertised um, make you feel like you need to become something other than yourself or you need to, you need to um, aspire to a level of whiteness, whether that be in the way you dress or the way you look. Um, or your skin colour in order to be um, happy with yourself, in order to feel beautiful. And so it really does something to your psychology. And, you know, the fashion and makeup industry or the beauty industry, if you want to call it, is massive. Like, mm. we're talking billions of dollars. All And all of that is based on this idea that women and men are just not good enough as they are and you continually need to improve yourself by mm. buying certain types of clothes and certain types of makeup in order for you to be to finally be beautiful and happy but you can never really attain that because the standards that they've kept are so high okay like no one looks like Miranda Kerr you know (laughs) you will never look like Miranda Kerr but if you see her on the ads and and you know she's saying oh you know use this lipstick you know and maybe you look a bit like me and you know people think okay yeah maybe maybe that will happen maybe maybe I'll be just a little bit more prettier maybe I'll feel better about myself um and you know it even it doesn't even affect just women of color it also affects white you know um white men and 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 women because even they cannot um they cannot attain that that standard of beauty that that only one percent like less than one percent of the population um you just have good genes possess yeah it's just you know um very, very, very good genes that you're just not going to... <laughs> you can't just, like, suddenly, you know, change your genetic makeup. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if it affects um, white girls and, and white boys, just imagine how much it affects women and men of colour. Absolutely. I guess it's almost like, instead of looking in the mirror and, oh, you know, my skin is not tan enough or mm. it's blemished or mm. I'm feeling a bit too fat or whatever it is, you're you're actually questioning your the way it is that you look my skin is too brown or mm, my yeah. nose is not sharp enough i think for someone who isn't a person of color perhaps they've never had to go through that psyche yeah. they're not thinking they're not thinking about i mean they may think about getting a nose job to but they're not thinking about oh because i'm inherently ugly because mm. i don't look like that and i mean even us we probably don't consciously think about that way Mm. but when you 
examine the psyche behind say the billion dollar skin bleaching industry yeah the number of rhinoplasties that happen mm. in south in asia uh, yeah. southeast asia um and east asia you're conjuring up these ideas that what the images that have been persistently shown to them is that to be beautiful or to be more acceptable mm-hmm. almost you have to reach this standard and you have to aspire to a more white image of mm. yourself mm-hmm. yeah and i think that when when people buy skin bleaching product or when they buy a certain kind of clothing that will maybe make them look a bit more western and less you know in better comments like cultural or whatever um you know shedding off their ethnic identity um i think i don't think people are like oh in their heads i want to be more white mm-hmm. i don't think they say that i think in their heads it's it's they they say it as i want to be happier with myself i mm-hmm. want to be more beautiful yep. and that's why we're having this discussion because we're asking but why do you define beauty mm-hmm. in their terms why don't you define it on your own terms mm-hmm. yep. and you would see the entire fashion makeup beauty industry just completely crumble down if people just started accepting themselves True. and defining beauty as however they want. Yeah. I think the thing is white beauty standards yeah, like you said no one says I want to be white per se, but mm. it's just it's kind of viewed as the norm. Yeah. And everyone wants to be normal and fit in, whereas if you wear something like more cultural that mm. an ethnic, then you're being different, you're exotic. Yeah. Um so I think that has a big part with part with it like even yeah. if you went to a job interview the way you present yourself in order to look professional involves looking very white mm. and i guess that's a tricky thing where on one hand you want people to feel good about them accept themselves but there's also a lot of like societal pressures that that is real mm. where people get punished and get excluded mm-hmm. and get discriminated based on looking different yeah, yeah. and leanne i think there was um there was a, a case of uh, a girl being discriminated by an employer she i think she applied at Sara but they discriminated against her on on oh, some basis of how she looked Do you oh know she that? was working at Sara mm. and yeah she came into work with um braids which if you look at the image it's quite neat mm-hmm. it contains her hair but her boss kind of humiliated herself in front of um in the workplace, yeah. telling her that her hair was unprofessional. But, like, why is it unprofessional? You know, it's clean, it's neat, it's out of the way. It's because it's just not... It has, like, kind of this kind of cultural, ethnic mm. connotations to it. Yeah. So. And, yeah, I have to add to that is that we are so keen on getting the look that we don't understand that our bodies pay the price. Mm. Yeah, our bodies pay the biggest price whenever we do that bleaching and um, anything that changes our body. I just remembered that when I was 16, my dad brought this um, waist trimmers from Abu Dhabi. And for someone who doesn't know what a waist trimmer is, a waist trimmer is a spandex that contours your tummy so Mm. it would look flatter and Mm. not as big as the usual. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents started using that, both of them, and I was like, why are they using that? So as a kid, you had this idea that, oh, they're using that, so maybe I should use that because... It's something looking good to see. Yeah, I wore it 
almost under all my clothes. Mm-hmm. The only time I took it off was when I was going to the shower and put it on again. So my body paid the price, mm-hmm. but my um, self value and accepting myself and being happy did not change. Mm-hmm. There was still that need to do more. Yeah. So. And if anything, it it's really bad for your. Um, for someone's self-esteem or confidence to yeah, constantly true. feel like you need to be better than what you already are. Yeah. Um, so it's not just damaging to your body. I feel like it's damaging to your psyche as well. I guess what you kind of see when you look at magazines and when you look at, you see when other people are being advertised and when when beauty is being advertised and when happiness is being sold to you, <laughs> it is being sold to you with a white standard it's Mm. like if you see a model who happens to be of a different race or background for example if you see black models who are in commercials and on tv they're often almost looking very identical very similar to the white model next (laughs) to them which is usually the case you never really see a black model by herself in an advert advertising a stay lauder, for yeah, example, yeah. they're usually with another white mm, model, wow. and they look very, very similar. They have yeah. very identical features. So it's still the same beauty standards. So we're now going to be um, discussing how, with beauty standards, we're not only judged, discriminated, excluded because of how we fail to meet these kind of really unrealistic white standards, but how they're internalized to the point that people go to extreme measures to conform to them. So we've already mentioned um, the whitening industry being one of the more kind of harmful examples of this. It's a $10 billion industry. Wow. Yeah. Where global corporations like Unilever, which is most famous for selling Fair and Lovely, <laughs> as well as many other great products. Mm. And... um. And going about, like, the capitalism point, a bit of a tangent. Mm. But I think, yeah, you're right in saying that, like, there is a huge connection between the fashion industry and capitalism and a bit of hypocrisy where Dove actually ran this really kind of famous campaign about body love and self-love in Western countries. I didn't buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I knew about that, that, you know, whitening cream. Well, that's the thing. They increased their profits by 700% from that campaign. Oh, wow. But... In then developing countries, then they, they use sell country. whitening cream. Yeah. So there's a lot of hypocrisy um, and within I, that. Yeah, I think because in the Western countries, there's this growing, um, growing what do you call it, movement for um, you know self love, a more awareness for you know just being confident in yourself. So. But in developing countries, you don't um, have the, you're, you're not up to that stage <laughs> yet. Like they're still oh we need to be white. They haven't got to the stage where well you know. In general, I know this is very simplified um, argument, but they haven't got to that point where they can just, yeah, just be confident okay. and, and accept themselves who they are. So, you know, people think that, oh, whitening creams, like that's such, that must be like a dodgy company. No, these are like the biggest companies these in the world. Involved, these are like yeah. multinational billion dollar companies that are doing this. So they will use, this is how capitalism works, whatever makes profit. So if in Western countries to make profit, you need to start talking not about being white and skinny. Now you start need to talk. Now you start need to talk about, um, you know, accepting who you are. And yeah. oh, use this soap because um, <laughs> anyone can use this soap. Oh, look, I'm an African woman using this soap. Exactly. Oh, I'm an Asian woman using this soap. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to, um, you know, somewhere like Indonesia. 
And for those listening, I'm Indonesian, so when, whenever I go there, I'm I consume a lot of um, you know the ads there, and you see the same company. So Double have like a soap, but it's whitening soap. Yeah. And in the ad, you know the lady who's already white, by the way, like she she's putting the soap on, and then you see this like bright aura, like consuming her and then she becomes even more white <laughs> and it, that's how they yeah. sell the soap <laughs> there's definitely lots of ads like that in china as well yep. where like they t- turn into like an angelic figure and their life transform <laughs> yeah. it's like you're cleaning off your color yeah. <laughs> that's how i see the, it yeah, clean off, off that indonesian part yeah. of you yeah. make yourself more white and yeah, yeah buy my of, damn soap sorry anisa speaking sorry, of selling yeah i have um Gather. I have read an article about um, the 35 best beauty slogans ever published, and I've picked just a few of some of the most trashiest <laughs> thing I've ever read, and it was from a website called brandongale.com, and I will say the phrase and mm. the slogan and give me your um, reaction to that. So there was this one... Um, slogan and it says that um banish bad skin days for good it's like what is even a bad skin day or what do you want people to think about having a bad skin like Mm. what is a bad skin Mm -hmm. like what is that and there's this one that says um there is no such thing as natural beauty so that's the slogan (laughs) Of that product. There oh, is wow. no such thing wow. as natural beauty. That's not subtle at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. What? Well, it sounds crazy because we're talking about this idea of skin whitening, brightening, as in whitening and brightening your life. Yeah. But this is something that they were talking about in the 1800s. I don't know if you've seen the image of the Pears soap advert from 1783 which has uh, what appears to be dark skin African looking person in a bathtub and a white Caucasian looking man holding a bar of soap and he's sitting in the bathtub it seems as though he's been scrubbed with the soap and he's come out with the remainder wow. of his body the same white as the person who gave him the soap. <laughs> that image. Crazy. We'll put that on our Facebook page just so you can see it. That's crazy. And that the thing about crazy. these whitening products are they're, they're extremely harmful. They yeah, cause a lot yeah. of skin damage True. and increase your risk of getting skin cancer. And some societies, I think the World Health Organization um, has statistics that up to 77% of women in Nigeria bleach their skin. No. Um, and over 40% in places like China, Malaysia, the Philippines, the Republic of Korea. And often, like, they're in products just, like, in normal moisturizer. Mm. It just come with bleaching. So it's not even, like, I'm going out to bleach my skin. It's just, like, it's so ubiquitous. But mm. also the language that's used around it. I mean, I think I had a discussion with one of my friends about toning yeah ah. and another another it was politically correct trying to say that that's just that's almost just a different word for saying yeah. you know maintaining that lighter a lighter skin tone so yeah. brightening whitening because the term bleaching is not going to advertise <laughs> a product because when you think about what bleaches and that is what Poison. you're doing you're you're prohibiting your skin from being able to do what its chemical mm-hmm. biological function is and that's to whether melanate or you're preventing your skin from being able to do that you're 
ru- you're ruining, you're damaging it to be able to to prevent it from being able to do that. And that's what bleaching is. And it's really sad to think that, you know, with the capitalism thing, is that um, these marketers or these people that makes money, uh, they pride themselves on making money by working around someone else's insecurities. Yeah. Like, it is dreadfully awful. Mm. And like, that's all yeah. around the world, and that's everybody. That's can't, not can't make money if people just accept themselves. Like, <laughs> maybe I don't need to whiten my skin. Maybe mm. I don't need that color lipstick. Or it's very yeah. awful. Very I guess there contacts. are people in the industry who are trying to combat that. I mean, there there's is, the brand there Airy yep. who refused to say airbrush their images. and mm. But again, majority of the models that they have are white females, and they have very attractive figures in terms mm. of what we've been you know yeah. slimmer waist and wider hips and mm. um those images of what standard beauty is and there was the model a jack dang mm. and she came out i think it was last month and basically said you know she can't be a part of an industry any longer where there isn't the foundation from a professional makeup artist she goes to a show and they they don't have a foundation that matches her skin yeah but for every other white model, there is. Yeah. So I've got a question for everyone. Um, trying to live up to this expectation causes a lot of grief, makes us feel insecure, it's demoralizing and even dehumanizing. So why do we try to reach these ridiculous standards? Where does this pressure for people come face comes from? I, I guess I don't. I don't know. It's it's almost like you've just. You've been fed. It's been incepted. It's like yeah. it's beauty inception. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've been fed this idea. And when you're young, you don't even understand it. It's yeah. just that mm. this is like the Barbies follow. you play with. Yeah, yeah, you just you just follow. I mean, they did a they did a test. They've repeated it numerous times where they've put a brown doll and a white doll next to each other, and they've asked little kids of all different racial backgrounds and um, cultures to pick a baby. Um, they said, you know, which one is cuter? Which one is more beautiful? Which yeah. one is smarter? Which one is prettier? And from those questions, 90% of the time, even if it's a little brown girl, she'll pick the white doll, mm. which is very sad. So you can't even explain how, how it how it came about or why it's it is. so deeply entrenched yep. that, deeply. you know, it started before. Our yeah. time, so you're just born into this, born into mm-hmm. this strange world. <laughs> I know this is a really tricky question, but then so how do we t- tackle this then? Because mm. on one hand, you know we don't want people to you know be harming them their skin with yeah. you know dangerous toxic products or even just like feeling bad about themselves and feeling demoralized. But at the same time, you don't want to judge people for trying to fit in. Yeah, because they do face a lot of like kind of pressures. So how do you kind of tackle this very yeah, messy it's like situation? you know you're you it's like tackling a big evil <laughs> super powered monster <laughs> like that's just everywhere. Well what's your you know? approach? Maybe that's the thing. I think the first approach I would take is just to be aware of what's happening yeah. and that's the first step is what we're doing right now. We're talking about, about it. it. Um you know like you were saying about you know the matrix last yeah. week um you know not yeah. not knowing yeah. that racism was happening in front yeah. of you until 
having that concept of racism, then it like you open your eyes, yeah. like everything becomes a lot more visible. Yeah. Um, so one thing is just to at least be aware. So next time you're in a news agency or next time you pass a, a billboard, you know, analyze what you're looking at. Yeah. Don't don't just consume it. Um, you know, challenge it and, and be critical of it. What is it trying to tell me? If there's you know a, a white girl. Um, trying to sell a car to you just think why did they use a white girl why didn't they use someone else Um, you know look at the magazines that you go through um, and think about how many women of color do you see on the front cover or or inside the magazine what what color of the skin you know it's not a coincidence everything (laughs) everything is you know designed in a particular way Um, they didn't just accidentally put a white girl on the front cover they did that for a very very specific reason we want to discuss how it is that these perceptions of what beauty is and the Eurocentric white beauty standard has infiltrated and impacts on our lives and in I mean in daily spheres that we see in makeup advertisements magazines how does it how does it come into your life Leanne um I guess the thing is What's so disturbing is like kind of the invisibility or the normality of it, and it's just like the assumption. So, in terms of like contouring, is becoming a huge um, popular phenomenon, mm. and the kind of upsetting thing watching makeup kind of tutorials about it is that there's obviously nothing in itself wearing makeup, having mm. fun, playing around with color, but the assumptions between all these tutorials is that people won't always want narrower, you yeah. know. Like um, you noses. Don't, you don't accentuate Wait, your, your, no, your, no. your big cheeks. cheeks. You no, don't try to you want smaller foreheads. Yeah. It's all, the assumption is that you always want to look more white. Yeah. And yeah, like we were saying before, no one says that I want to look more white. The assumption is, you know, narrow nose is obviously better. And it's like, and no one questions why? that. But why? Why <laughs> is it? Like, yeah. it's so arbitrary. It's mm. just that we've been given, given that idea that this is what is perceived to be more yeah. beautiful if you're doing a makeup tutorial and you want more followers or likes yeah. this is the kind of look that other say particularly young women are looking for yeah. they want to look more slim in the face they want to have a lot more defined, defined features features, yeah. features that we can see reflected when we look at magazines or ads or celebrities mm. and regardless of their racial background you see that they all have that similar yeah. or that racial ambiguity is yeah. kind of attractive because mm. it means that they can flow in and out they fit into all kinds of molds i mean i was having a discussion with someone about beyonce and saying like oh well from her last song some people got very outraged because it's like oh beyonce is actually black because for so long in mm-hmm. a way she's been marketed as not being particularly black or most yeah. white because of the way she looks and um, the what way she's singing yeah. about, yeah. what she's singing yeah. about, exact exactly. But from it was the music that I was talking about. But when you look at images of her, yeah. Yeah. they're often lightened or brightened photoshopped. Yeah. or photoshopped. Yeah. And I mean, this is images of all celebrities. But it is that idea again that even as a very famous and talented in her own right, to appeal to a particular idea. That is what has to be done. She has to be made to look more white, more attractive in that mm. sense. Yeah, mm. that's true. Like um, a lot of 
kind of women or people of colour that are considered beautiful often have a sort of whiteness to them. So a lot of, like, Asian models, celebrities who are beautiful are often, like, Eurasian, they're half white. So it's like, you look yeah. a little bit different, you're a bit exotic, but you're not too different. Mm, you know, yeah, that kind of yeah. mentality. Or even, yeah, something like Halberry. Yeah, that it's acceptable almost to mm-hmm. be more exotic if you're that part whiteness. Part white, yeah. People find people who are mixed race, and when they say mixed race, they mean half white, half, half something, something else. else. Yeah. That kind of mixed race more attractive, whereas if someone is half Asian, half um, African, they're, they don't have <laughs> yeah, that traditional yeah, mixed. Yeah. they don't have that traditional yeah. mixed race yeah. in quote, yeah. air quotation mm. marks attractiveness about them mm. because they just don't just a mumbo jumbo or something <laughs> different <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly right not they don't have those same um, beauty yeah. beautiful mm. aesthetic looking yeah. features yeah. that are seen from a European Caucasian mixed with something else mm. yeah, yeah like um, you know seeing those um white western beauty inspired uh things on the media tv seeing it every day even on instagram facebook it's everywhere mm. and when you look in look at yourself in the mirror mm. it makes you feel a little bit not a little bit but really inadequate mm. like why would i post a picture of myself if i don't look nearly as good as let's say Regina George, <laughs> like things like that. So yeah. it boils down to um, seeing these things makes you devalue yourself. Yeah, makes you um, uh, measure your worth from how you see yourself from other people. Yeah. I can share a personal experience of mine when I was a kid. Um, but before I want to, before I go into that story, I just want to let you all know, those who are listening, that um, the discussion that we have, it's not to um, make people feel guilty or bad about um, having insecurities or mm-hmm. feeling like yeah, you're true. not good enough, or if if you, um, you know, we're not we're not criticizing um, people who who use certain products or anything. We're we're just you know asking people to have you know an open conversation with themselves and and be self-reflective and ask yourself you know what what does this do to me when I'm contouring to make my nose slimmer or um, wearing certain clothes or straightening my frizzy hair for instance Um, it's just to have that conversation with yourself um, because we are going through that now um, and we know how it feels and we're saying that it's not okay yeah you should you are you are you. Um, you is enough. Like yep, to be yep. you is enough. Yeah. And you don't need to let other people define what beauty is to you. Yeah. Um. So the personal story that I wanted to bring up just quickly was when I was a kid. Um. Obviously, seeing, um, in the media, and everywhere, how people have very slim noses, as we've yeah. said before. Like Leanne, you were talking about it before. Um. So. When I was growing up, I, I did this thing when I was very little. I would go in front of the mirror and I would kind of like pinch, pinch my nose, nose on the side because um, I have a very flat nose, so yeah. it's not narrow or slim at all. And I used to hate my nose. like, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's right smack bang in the center of your face, <laughs> so you can't avoid it. It's not something on the back. It's just right there. And so I was always like, oh, God, I hate my nose. It's yeah. so fat and ugly. Yeah. And I would, like, stand in front of the mirror and just kind of, like, squeeze it, hoping to, like, make yep. it slim. I was like, maybe if I squeeze it long enough, it'll just stay there permanently, like yep. Voldemort or something. So I would, like, I would literally just stand in front of the mirror and just squeeze my nose. Yeah. 
for like a good few minutes and then we just go back to normal and I'm like damn it yeah so, you know that's interesting because mm. you're from an Asian background and me I'm African black African and I had a similar not wanting for it to but just the fact that I looked at my nose and I'm like oh it's just not it's so like prominent it's, yeah you know it seems it seems and it's like when you're a child like where do you even get that idea I mean yeah. a nose is a nose is a nose <laughs> <laughs> like you use it to smell mm. well, yeah I, I think some of these things <laughs> but you do from, but from two yes. different like continents yeah. Two different it just places, shows two like completely how, different experiences. Yeah. You know, we're thinking kind of the it's same the same. Thing. Yeah, it just shows how whiteness just yeah. prevails everywhere from Indonesia to Africa. <laughs> I just yeah. have to say that your nose pinching mm. thing is really Asian because <laughs> yeah. in the Philippines, they want me to pinch my nose in the morning as well mm. to look. Uh, they're basically, it's not going to change anything. It's not right? going to. <laughs> you <laughs> need to take. But they try plastic, plastic surgery, which a lot of um, Asian women have yeah. done. Yep. Yeah. But basically, you know, um, self love is a journey, mm. and learning to accept yourself for who you are does not um, come overnight. Yeah. You learn from it every day. Yeah. And it's not easy. Yeah. It's it took me easy. a long time for me to accept the way my nose is I know how ridiculous that might sound to people but you know everyone has that insecure yeah, most people have that insecurity body, that yeah. one thing that just like you know really really yeah. gets to them and now that I've learned more about you know white perceptions of beauty I've looked at my nose and thought you know if I did have a slim nose then I just wouldn't look like me yeah and I just wouldn't look the same so um, I forget who who said this but I think it's quite relevant especially you know the talk about colonialism um, that it's not just about taking land or money. And I think the person says that, you know, yes, we've, like, decolonized land. Well, not in Australia. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's another tangent. But um, I think he was talking from, like, a kind of a um, French colonialist background. So, yeah, we've, like, decolonized the land we've given, you know, Nigeria ba- back. Um, but we haven't decolonized our gays. And I think yeah. that's, a, that's a really interesting in concept culture. that we need to decolonize the, ga- the gays. And decolonize that, the mind. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> the mind. So, yeah. Which is something we could go on for ages. If you want us True. to talk about it, you know, say, tell us on Facebook or on Twitter. And yeah, let's have a discussion about it. Mm. But I think we have to be wrapping it up soon. Thank wrapping you so up. much for listening to us today. And we do want to continue the discussion. If there's something you'd like to share with us something you'd like us to talk about or something you'd like us to know about or share Mm -hmm. on the show please feel free to contact us by their our facebook page which is life in color and our twitter which is life in color show and we will be sure to be in contact so you've been listening today to Sin 90.7 FM Life in Color, where we've colored your listening, hopefully, with an interesting discussion on all things white and beautiful. Next week, (laughs) we'll be talking about the colorness of criminality, racial perception stereotypes, and the Panama Papers. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy stuff. (laughs) It's going to be a very interesting topic. See you then, guys. Thank you. Bye. See you later. See you next week.